The views and opinions expressed in this podcast by the hosts and guests do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of Infinite Campus. However, you don't get more official than today's guest as he describes the past, present, and future of educational technology. Stay tuned. The district had uh, just done a big technology bond referendum, and their intent was to put uh, five Macintosh computers in every classroom of the district. They had enough money to buy those. Uh -huh. They didn't have enough money to net network them. They didn't have enough money to buy software, and definitely not enough money to support it. Sure. Uh -huh. And so that's why we invested in the networks, turned it into something that was an operating expense as opposed to a capital expense. Hello and welcome to Transforming K-12 Education, an Infinite Campus podcast. I'm your host, Peter Snell. Infinite Campus is a student information system used by 2,000 school districts across 45 states, supporting a total of 8 million students. This podcast explores our corporate mission by diving into our customers' stories and experiences of how they are transforming K-12 for their students, staff, and communities. Today's episode is part one of a two-part series on the role of a technology director in K-12 education. Over the last few decades, technology has changed the way we communicate, the way we work, the way we play, ultimately, the way we live. It's no surprise that it has dramatically changed the way we educate. However, implementing new technologies requires personnel to support these efforts. What challenges are technology directors facing in the year 2022? How do technology directors balance out competing priorities like implementing emerging technologies or staying up to date with data security? How do you work collaboratively with other district stakeholders to provide high quality education? If you aren't familiar with the origin story of Infinite Campus, it all started with a young technology director from the Centennial School District in 1993. Charlie Cratch wasn't new to the educational technology sector when he founded Infinite Campus. While attending Centennial High School, Charlie worked at the Minnesota Educational Computing Consortium, or MEC, who produced many of your favorite educational games, including Oregon Trail and Number Munchers. Bypassing college, Charlie jumped into the business world, joining software startups in the healthcare industry. After a brief retirement, his stepfather, an elementary principal at Centennial, challenged him to put his technology skills to good use in education by stepping in as a tech director for the district. At this time, I'd like to introduce our internal guest, founder and CEO, Charlie Cratch. The challenges that I had, we had a very small staff, and by that I mean me and, and another person who had a lot of responsibilities. Sure. Uh, the real challenge back then was uh, while we had computers around the district, uh, we either had no networks or the networks that were in place were very unreliable. Oh, uh -huh. And so uh, getting uh, more computers in the schools and networking everything was my first challenge. And the, the first step of that was we put fiber optics in between all the schools. And that gave us a high-speed district-wide network and then okay. wired 
all of the uh, classrooms and computer labs and upgraded all the computers to be able to handle those networks. That was you know, the better part of a year with the, the small staff that we had and the contractors we brought in. But uh, we, we got that all going, and that was, that was the first big challenge. At that time, it's still knowing what a student information system was, I was still learning. Uh-huh. Uh, but through that process, working in all the buildings, working with the teachers and the administrators, that's where I saw the, the real need at that point wasn't necessarily on the instructional side, you know, like the things we were doing at Mac. It really was on the administrative side. And that, that was the beginning of, of what now has become Infinite Campus. Sure. Any other challenges that, that the district was facing when you were overseeing technology at Centennial? It was always cost. Everything that uh, we needed to do, we never had enough money. The district, you know, I talked about that uh, networking project. The district had uh, just done a big technology bond referendum, and their intent was to put uh, five Macintosh computers in every classroom of the district. But one of the things I explained to them was they had enough money to buy those. Uh They didn't have enough money to network them. They didn't have enough money to buy software and definitely not enough money to support it. Sure. Uh And so that's why we invested in the networks, turned it into something that was an operating expense as opposed to a capital expense. Sure. Interesting. Try to convince them that computers, you need to upgrade computers or replace them about every three to five years. Uh-huh. where they were used to buying textbooks and typewriters that would last 20 to 30 years. Sure, yeah. That, I could that see. was a big change. Yeah, it's a huge shift. You know, as you're un- undoubtedly aware of, you know, a few decades have, have passed since then. Um, from your perspective, how have some of these challenges, specifically with, with educational technology, how have those challenges changed over time? Have there been considerable improvements made when it comes to ed, ed tech? And uh, what challenges still remain? Yeah, you know, things have changed. You see a lot of technology in classrooms as you travel around the country. Uh, But the thing that I notice is one of the things we really found uh, when I was working at Mac, you think about all those really cool games we did and whatnot. Mm -hmm. At the end of the day, they're really just expensive (laughs) flashcards. They really didn't change anything. Uh-huh. And then uh, when I was a technology director, we pulled the networks and things in. But one of the big kind of crazes in the late 90s was putting smart boards in all the classrooms, interactive whiteboards. No, oh, yeah. But if you see how those were used, they were really nothing more than fancy overhead projectors. It's just replacive technology. <laughs> exactly. And so the real transformation that I was looking to create, while it kind of seems like technology has changed schools, it really hasn't yet But I think that uh, what we've done uh, over the last 29 years at Infinite Campus, we've laid a foundation for that true change. When I started this company and we had a very small group working on the product, we had to invent everything. And it's a lot of things you take for granted right now. For example, just having a web interface. Uh, Back then, everything was either a green screen or a Mac or PC interface. You didn't have web browsers. You didn't have anytime, anywhere access to that data. Uh, We were the first to do that. Also, having all that data in a single SQL database. Yeah. Back then, everything was in Excel spreadsheets or um, on a DBase database someplace or in a mainframe. Even today, a lot of districts still have their data in all kinds of different systems that districts have to struggle to connect to each other. And the innovation we had is all the data, um, all your years of data, all your schools, all your different departments is all in a single database. And uh, that's really what enables the the web front end, but also really uh, uh, changes the way you can work with the data. 
And, and with that, it was very expensive and difficult to set up these web servers in each individual school district. Mm-hmm. And we discovered it was just a lot easier to run the districts we worked with off the servers that we had in our offices, which to start with, we're at Centennial. Right. And as we moved out and moved to other offices, just run the schools off of our systems. Of course, today that's you know large data centers that we own and operate or AWS or Microsoft Azure and so on. And the other thing, the pricing model. Software, uh-huh. software up to that point, you would purchase the software and then pay like a 20% annual maintenance. And that's another thing that I learned being a technology director was capital expenses were really difficult to fund. You know, if I had to go to the school board and say, hey, I want to buy this new piece of software, or we have to buy these textbooks, you bought the textbooks. You fixed the roof. Um, It was tough to come up with the money with software. On the other hand, if you could spread that cost over time and have a single low per student per year cost, and again, schools were funded on a per student per year basis, Mm -hmm. we would be in the um, operating budget. Once it's approved, nobody ever looks at it again. Yeah. And now today that's called software as a service, but back then it was just how do you get money from school districts? Uh Yeah. All of that I see as the foundation for the real change. Um, Having all that in place, um, as we've been able to do over the years, puts a district in a really good position to um, really transform K-12 education and and really address what, what my passion and where our company is moving to with our customers is personalization. Yeah, that's important. And that's and that's your hope for the future, I'm assuming, is the personalization of instruction. That's the goal. Yeah. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of different definitions of personalization, but uh, the definition I like, um, it starts with differentiated instruction, having different learning activities for students to participate in that achieve the same standard or outcome. I'm very much a kinesthetic learner. And um, instead of listening to a teacher lecture and watch overhead transparencies, um, I like to do a project. You yeah. Know, let me learn by doing. And uh, keeps me busy, keeps me moving around. I'm a much better learner that way. Or something as simple as like reading comprehension. You know, teachers like to assign uh, literature that they like to read. And this is a true story. Um, I read War and Peace, but I very quickly figured out that every other chapter was war and the other chapter was peace. Yeah. Uh-huh. War was much more exciting. So I just read war. <laughs> I don't know what happened in peacetime, but uh, a much better assignment for somebody like me would have been science fiction, you know? Yeah. Give me a good uh, Asimov book or something, and uh, um, I get into it. That's what I like to read. Yeah. And uh, um, you don't have that choice. Students are disengaged, and they're not going to learn. And, you know, like I say, what was a teacher trying to teach? Were they trying to teach Tolstoy, or were they trying to teach reading comprehension? You know? Yeah. Keep, keep your eye on the prize. And so um, differentiate instruction, different learning activities for kids, that's important. And then coming off of that, the second point being student choice, which is kind of what I was talking about. Mm-hmm. Why not find things that kids want to do sure. you know, and let them do it? So student choice is another big part of that coming off of the differentiate instruction. And then the final piece is individualized pace. And this is another thing I ran into. Well, I know this stuff. Why do I have to sit here for four weeks you know, and yeah. do these things? Yeah. And so individualized pace, if the student is proficient in whatever you know, subject or standard or competency they're working on, let them move on. Yeah. And that has the net effect of students who haven't reached that level of competency. They can spend more time and have more resources with that teacher and others in the classroom. And it makes a much more efficient system. 
And we're not there yet on all three of those points. Yeah, right. Uh, but all of that, you know, is very difficult to implement, and that's where technology comes in. Yeah. Not only the administrative technology that we've been rolling out over the years, but also what we're um, spending a lot of uh, resources on right now, which is artificial intelligence. Helping every teacher, an average teacher, really become a super teacher by having machine learning and artificial intelligence based on all the uh, data that we're able to collect across the country for all these years. Um, really find out what works and what doesn't uh, for small groups of students and even individuals, and then make those recommendations to administrators and teachers so they can be much more effective in what they do and the student uh, be a much more engaged learner. Yeah, I can't wait for that. Me neither. You know, I, I think I've told you this before. You know, I'm a former classroom teacher, and, and one reason that I made the shift from the classroom and moved here to Infinite Campus was I did standards-based instruction in the classroom. And very early on, I realized that your students start to spread quickly. Yep. Um, they all are working on, on different skills, and um, that's really difficult for a single uh, teacher to manage. But to have the technology to help manage all of that, um, it's what our students yeah, deserve. Yeah, the technology in the classroom for the teacher to be able to manage really you know, instead of 25 or 30 kids at the time in a single class, what you're managing is typically four or five kids in pods or work groups. And you right. have four or five of those you have to manage in each period or each class. Yeah. And yes, you do need, you know, technology uh, really helps in managing, knowing the, what the kids are doing, helping to intervene, and also, importantly, parents and guardians being involved as well. Uh -huh. the, having them be part of that uh, that team that's working with the students, uh, very important. But then on the administrative side, um, you know, it's difficult for teachers to, to manage what's going on in the classroom. Well, imagine that across the entire school. Yeah. The whole concept of a master schedule changes. Typically, uh, schools build their master schedules uh, six months, seven months in advance of the school year. Mm -hmm. Lock them in and that's it. That's what, that's what everybody's going to be doing for the next year. Yeah. Now imagine a future where those master schedules are rebuilt every night automatically using artificial intelligence. And so when the kids show up the next day, they just look at their phone or their device that tells them where to go and what to do. It's a pretty crazy thing to think about, but it's very workable. That's uh -huh. the way most of our lives and kids' lives are, are run. You know, their, their device tells them where to go and what to do. Sure. Um, and you can do that in a school, you can make it work, and every administrator and teacher in the building will know what every student is doing because it's all being tracked electronically. Yeah. It's just when is the technology, um, the software and so on, gonna be ready to manage that. Uh-huh. Um, and there are uh, smaller charter schools and others doing that right now, but you know, if you have 60 or 70 kids in the school with four or five teachers working with them, that's not a difficult thing to manage. Yeah. How do you scale that up to a 2,000 student high school? You know, how do you manage that across an entire district? You know, the size of a Clark County, Nevada, with 330,000 kids. You yeah. Know, that's where the real work comes in. Take these ideas that we know that work, things like flipped classrooms and all these other modes of instruction. Um, how do you make it scalable? How do you make it manageable? And how do you prove it works? You know, at the end of the day, students learning more. Um, retaining that learning and learning it faster, you know, making schools more efficient.
Join us next time for part two of our two-part series on technology directors in K-12 education, where we'll hear from the next generation and their experiences supporting schools in the year 2022. There's just a lot of work to be done. And as long as we continue to do the work and it's the best work for kids, like that's always gonna be a success for me. So yeah. that's what I'm hanging my hat on. That's next time on Transforming K-12 Education. If you enjoyed this podcast, go ahead and hit the subscribe button wherever you're tuning in from. If you are an Infinite Campus customer and wanna continue the conversation, Join us on the moderated forums in the campus community. If you want to learn more about Infinite Campus in our student information system, go to www.infinitecampus.com. There you can register for an overview demonstration of Infinite Campus. Again, my name is Peter Snell. Thanks so much for listening to Transforming K-12 Education.